Welcome to Back to My Garden. Discover your passion for gardening. Here's Dave Ledoux. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you are in the world when you listen to this. I'm Dave Ledoux, and welcome to another episode of Back to My Garden. And today we have a great guest. We're going to the West Coast of America. Alex loves gardening and embraces it for its artistic and therapeutic values. She's an active garden blogger, sharing tips on her blog at peaceloveandgardening.com, as diverse as worm beds, composting, edibles, and rock gardens. She's gardened on both coasts and calls Huntington Beach, California home. Please welcome to the show, Alex Anderson. Hi, Alex. Hi, Dave. Thank you. I'm glad you're here. Me too. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. I gave you a brief introduction. I want to get you know to I want to get to know you better, and our listeners want to hear your stories. Alex, uh, take a minute or two and relax, and share with us a little bit about your background and how did you get into gardening. Sure, um, I actually um, grew up gardening. I grew up here in Orange County in Southern California, and we grew up with a big backyard and. Um, We're about just a few miles inland from the beach, a coastal garden, if you will. And, um, you know, my parents, we gardened. We had apricot trees, peach trees. um, We grew vegetables and sweet peas. And I just have really good fond memories growing up gardening out there with my mom and dad. Um, But I really got into serious gardening, I guess, if you would say, um, later in life. Um, I had moved to New York City for my career and then ended up moving back down to Atlanta Georgia, and um, this was right, right, right before 9/11. I had just left New York before 9/11 happened, and um, in the South, I really discovered gardening life in the South. Atlanta has um, an amazing gardening community, and I just immersed myself in anything I could with gardening. I attended every garden lecture I could, and classes, went on tours. Um, I spent a lot of time at the Atlanta Botanical Garden, which is amazing. If anyone's never been there, visit it. Um, and I spent every moment I had just educating myself about gardening. Um, I met, uh, there's garden legends in the South, from Alan Armitage to Michael Durr. Um, and, and also at this time, it was a really, a really hard time in my life. I, uh, I was going through some difficult things. Um, my younger brother was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Um, back here in California. We were really close. And um, so that was a hard thing to deal with. And then 9-11 happened. And of course, that shook everybody's world up. So it just, I just felt like everything was in a tailspin. And gardening was just my therapy. It it, it saved me. Um, being so far away from my family when my brother was sick and everything going on in the world, it was the only thing that really soothed my soul. Um, so and I didn't really know a lot of people in Atlanta since I was new there. So the gardening community really became my family down there. Um, I met uh, some, you know, key people, as I mentioned. And actually, a particular flower I fell in love with is the hydrangea. And uh, if you're familiar in the south, um, they're blues and purples down there because of their soil. And they're gorgeous. Um, so I, um, I joined the American Hydrangea Society, um, and, um, a woman named Tara Dillard was actually the president of the American Hydrangea Society down there. She's a garden designer and, um, she, they kind of talked me into joining the group there. I started doing their newsletter and, um, she actually started the first blog, garden blog I've ever heard of, and, 
um, Tara Dillard. So you should look up her blog. She's amazing. Um, you know, that was 15 years ago. Um, and so I started, I started hanging out with this group of hydrangea gardeners. There was about 400, um, people that belonged to the group. And I guess they kind of saw me as this young, eager person, you know, willing to come in and, and work hard for them. And, um, and actually, and the founder of the American Hydrangea Society was a woman named Penny McHenry. And she, uh, I just fell in love with her. She was a spicy, um, kind of, uh, passionate force to be reckoned with woman. And, um, she was an avid hydrangea gardener. Had, um, I think her house was four to five acres in Atlanta. And, um, she started the American Hydrangea Society. And I uh, joined the group and spent a lot of time with her. And unfortunately, Penny's passed now. Um, and, uh, but, you know, I remember her always when I'm gardening. And um, so that's, that's really, I mean, that was kind of the birth of gardening for me. Um, you know, going through this hard time, I was flying back and forth from Atlanta to California, visiting my brother. Um, and while I was visiting him, uh, at my home that we grew up in here in California, um, you know, I'd spend time in the backyard with my mom and dad, and we decided to plant um, a rose garden in the backyard um, when he was sick. And so my dad and I were out there digging up the lawn, and um, we placed this beautiful fountain in the center, and um, uh, and my mom, you know, chose the roses that she wanted to be in that garden. And it was just really a meaningful time for my family and I to spend those last, uh, those last few months with my brother gardening. Um, so, and that, that was really, I think, um, it's just, it just saved my soul. And, um, you know, moving forward, um, uh, from Atlanta, um, I'm thankful for my time there, but I'm really happy to be back here in Southern California gardening. This is quite a bit different. I bet. Yeah. I, uh, I can imagine the two climates, even though they're both hot, are very different. Yeah. I mean, in Atlanta, um, I mean, it is, you know, the summers are 90 degrees with 100% humidity, and it rains all summer there. And, you know, here in California, it's more a Mediterranean climate where I always say it's pretty much 70 degrees. And sunny pretty much every day here in California. It's almost kind of boring. Um, <laughs> but um, but back in Atlanta, um, that's when I knew that like, this was my passion in life because it could be completely humid and wet and stifling hot. I'd be, you know, in my gardening clothes, pants and long sleeves because of the mosquitoes, and it could be uh, just miserably hot, and I would be out there digging all day in the garden. Nothing, nothing stopped me. Um, but, yeah, it, it's different. I miss. I miss the gardens back there, um, you know, lots of hostas and so, you know, the azaleas there are amazing and so many different things. And here, you know, coming back home, it was quite a shift. Um, and, you know, some of the things that did well there don't do so well here. So you kind of shift into a new direction. Um, but I do make sure I have uh, plenty of hydrangeas in my backyard here. <laughs> Let me encourage the listeners, uh, don't try to take notes. I'm going to do all the resources and links up on the blog that Alex shares at backtomygarden.com. Make sure you follow Alex and, and read her blog. It's uh, brilliant. It's up at www.peaceloveandgardening.com. You can also connect with Alex on social media, on Twitter, at Peace Love Garden. Now, love is spelled L-U-V because Twitter has a short 
handle. So it's P-E-A-C-E-L-U-V-G-A-R-D-E-N. And if you have questions on hydrangeas, you now have an expert in your midst. Um, maybe we could start there, Alex. Yeah. Uh, with all your exposure and experience around these absolute talent growing hydrangeas, do you have like a bag of tricks with maybe one or two tips? Because I know some friends, their hydrangeas are dead. They're die, they die all the time. It's one of their uh, disaster stories. Do you have some secret <laughs> tips that make your hydrangeas grow so good? You know, I don't even know. They're not really secret tips, um, but I, I I feel like they're the easiest flower um, you could ever grow. And in and, and here, you know, in California, it's funny because when I tell people that, um, you know, I was part of the hydrangea society and how easy they are, people are like, oh, mine are dying. What do you do? Honestly, they, they just, um, you know, you want them at my house here in um, down by the beach in Orange County. I have them on the east side of my house. So the east side of my house here is um, pretty shaded, um, but there's some dappled afternoon sun. Um, in Atlanta, um, they would always say, you know, morning sun, afternoon shade, because it's so unbearably hot there in the summertime. Um, but they do need some sun, um, definitely loamy, rich soil, well-drained soil. Um, you know, obviously more acidic soil will make your hydrangeas more blue and purple and more alkaline will make them pink. So in the south, they're mostly blues. In California here, they're mostly pinks. Um, I'm always trying to keep mine blue because I prefer the blue. So um, I, I add, I'm always adding aluminum sulfate um, to my soil here. But I, I compost a lot. I throw my coffee grounds um, in the ground a lot. I don't trim them back. Um, if I do cut them back at all, um, I wait um, until way until they're dormant. I would say even you know January, February, and just clip off some of the um, dead blooms. They're they're not the most beautiful plants in the winter time, but if you're patient, um, I'm already getting some um, you know spring growth on mine right now, um, and they bloom beautifully usually end of May to mid January, um, a little sooner in the south, but. Um, and really, it's just, um, you know, really good rich soil is important. And just leave them alone, and they're fine. They're, they're really easy. That's brilliant stuff. I mean, what you just shared there in two minutes, you could Google all day and not find all that wisdom. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think, a lot of people, I think, give you way too much, way too much, you know, how you should trim them and clip them. And you know what? I just don't think about it too much. I just do what I feel is the best thing to do for them. And um, and I talk to them. I'm not going to lie. I do talk to my plants. <laughs> my hydrangeas, I have a whole row of them on the side of my house. And um, and, uh, and and they do wonderfully on the side. And, and a funny story is actually a blog about it that my husband, they were, they're in the pathway on the one side of my house. And they've gotten so big, they kind of block. The blooms are so big in the summertime, they kind of block the pathway for my husband to walk through. And he gets, gets a little irritated. So I, have ag- I agreed this fall when we, uh, when they were done blooming to move them back a little bit, uh, trim them up and move them back a little bit. So, uh, they're not in the way. So let's hope that, uh, they do. Okay. But I had just moved them back, um, you know, a month or so ago and they're, they're still flushing out with their leaves. So I, they're really hardy. They're really hardy plants. And I encourage anybody to grow them. You can go to American hydrangea society's website. Um, there's information on there. Um, and if anybody's ever interested, I'd love to, uh, start a hydrangea society here in Southern California. 
um, if anybody's interested, contact me. Outstanding. Um, when you're around your friends and family, do they treat you like a gardening professor? Like, do they bring you their questions and, and problems? They do. I think um, I always, you know, I always uh, have the, clarified everybody. You know, I'm not a professional, but I guess I kind of have a green thumb. Um, but my belief is everybody can have a green thumb. It, it's not people to say, oh, I don't know what to do. It's like it's kind of instinct, I think, with your plants. And, um, but yeah, I do get a lot of questions, and I don't know everything, but I do, I think, have enough experience I can help people. So, yeah, many times I do get friends that um, have me come over and help them start a vegetable garden or maybe redo their front garden bed and just give them some tips. Um, and I also, I love to give as gifts um, to friends. Um, I call them green gifts. So um, I give a lot of seeds or plants or herbs and things like that just to kind of um, encourage people to start their own gardens. I think I kind of feel like, not to label myself, but I like to say that I'm kind of a garden inspirational speaker or, or advocate or whatever you want to say, um, because I like to inspire people to garden. And that's another purpose, I think, of my blog is just I think anybody can do it. Um, and, uh, you know, it's well worth it. It helps. Uh, it does so many wonderful things for people. So, Let's mention your blog again, because a lot of P listeners are driving. It's www.peaceloveandgardening.com. Uh, Alex, I wanted to ask you, the listeners are always curious about, when I bring on guests, what their own personal gardens are like. Um, what do you love growing? What did you grow last year? What kind of season did you have? Um, you know, I, I love growing everything. My garden is very diverse. Um, I like I like everything. So from every style to different plants and flowers and succulents. Um, so I kind of... Um, I just do what I think, you know, what I feel like doing. So I have, you know, like I said, I have one whole side of my house that's hydrangeas. One part of that side of the house is full sun. So I have a lot of California natives there, um, sage and, and lavenders and all these things. Um, and then, you know, I have one part that's my vegetable garden that um, we have a really fun time doing with my son. I have a two and a half year old and he's out there with me digging and pulling up the worms and, Sometimes pulling out the vegetables before they're ready, but that's okay. Um, so, um, and then I have herbs growing in pots um, on one of my tables out there. I've got tons of woolly pockets on the walls. We have palm trees. Um, uh, you name it. So it's a mix. And, uh, um, I, you know, I, and I like to, um, and, and, you know, I like to experiment too. Um, so... Um, you know, that's, that's what I usually do with um, a lot of different um, seeds and vegetables and annual things that we grow. Um, but I think, um, and then one of the reasons, going back to my garden, is um, one of the reasons we did buy the house was because there was already um, two orange trees, a lemon tree, avocado, um, and a uh, grapefruit tree. Um, in the in the backyard, and you know, here in Southern California, we don't have huge backyards or garden space. Um, uh, you know, our uh, property here doesn't allow for that. So, but the um, the fact that this house in this backyard had all those trees, you know, sold me on the house already. So we're fortunate enough to already have those built in. So um, I've just added my touches around the garden. Um, I do have a lot of succulents, of course. They're so, so easy to grow, and you just stick them in the ground, and they flourish here. They do great here. 
You know, Alex, I, I live thousands of miles from you, but every time the TV came on, they talked about the drought in California. Did it change your gardening at all? How was it for you last year? It did, and I did want to talk about that. Um, we had, you know, we're in a severe drought. We've had a little bit of rain um, this last month or so, but it hasn't made a dent, really. Um, we're in a severe drought here. Um, it does change your gardening. Um, we're, I'm really, really um, uh, careful about how we use water. You know, we have a sprinkler system, but, you know, we shut that down or maybe let it run once a week. Um, I'm really careful about, you know, reusing a lot of water in the house, bringing it outside. If I boil eggs, for example, I use that water to go out and water my plants with it. Um, I'm almost a little crazy about the water thing because um, it's so precious to us. And, um, you know, it's, it's really scary here. This summer was extremely hot. Um, the part of lawn that we do have in the backyard was burned to a crisp. And um, we just let it go because I figured... Um, you know, eventually I'd like to do all California natives there, have a California-friendly garden, um, take out our lawns eventually. I have to talk husband into that one. Um, but, um, yeah, it, we lost a lot of plants, and um, I guess I had to resuscitate a lot of plants as well um, the last few months. So it's taken a toll. California natives are definitely a great way to go, but um, uh, which we do have them, but you know, hydrangeas and all these other things that I love, um, you know, I do keep them in the garden as well. So um, it's taken the toll here. You can see it, um, you know, just around town and everything's pretty dry. But we're, you know, we're hoping we get some more rain, which we have had um, the last month or so, which is great. Are your hydrangeas uh, pollinator friendly? Do the bees seem to love them? You know what? The bees do not. I have not noticed any bees on my hydrangeas here. I do have um, a lot of lavender and rosemary, which are blooming right now beautifully, and they sit in the sun. They have gotten huge, and I have a ton of bees on my rosemary um, blooms and my lavender. So I feel pretty good about that because, you know, bees are another concern as well. You made me smile because I have two feet of snow on the ground, and there's obviously nothing moving outside, and you have uh, bees and things in bloom at the only thing that is ever around in February in Canada is on the sunny side of the house when it warms up. The ladybugs, <laughs> the ladybugs come to life in the windows. Oh, yeah, it's strangest thing. <laughs> yeah, we. Um, yeah, that's another thing to consider when you're gardening here in our climate. You know, it's sunny year round, so um, you know it does get a little bit cooler in the wintertime. I'd say maybe in the sixties or something. So. Um, you know, it, things grow here year-round pretty much. So when you're planting, that's always a thing to keep in mind here in California is, you know, uh, things are grow fast because it's, you know, in Southern California especially, it's sunny year-round. So you have to take that into consideration. Very good. You know, I glanced, Alex, at the clock and our time is flying by. Now is yes. the time in the show where we play a game called Five Quick Questions. Okay. This is your chance to share your wisdom and experience with novice beginner gardeners. Are you ready to play? Okay. Okay. I'm ready. Question. Yeah. Oh, and I changed them up, so stay nimble. Okay. Uh, question number one. What's the funniest, most unusual, or most outrageous mistake that you've ever made in the garden that you're willing to admit to in public? Well, I don't know about outrageous, but... Um, 
I did have, uh, when I moved back here to California, um, I really got into California natives, and I had a strip of dirt on the side of my house that is in the baking, baking sun, and I planted these little tiny California natives. Um, and I'd say within two years, they were exploding and became and completely took over the side of my house. And unfortunately, we had to take them out, which broke my heart because they were beautiful and they smelled amazing. The sage was amazing. And my husband um, and I were just married at the time, and he really did question my gardening skills because I was bragging that I was such an amazing gardener and I loved it so much. And he, we were scratching our heads on that one. So um, that was kind of my first big oops, moving back to California and realizing everything grows here so quickly and so big. So, <laughs> Wow, that was amazing. Spacing is important. <laughs> that was not what I expected in the first half of that story. I thought you had said you'd barbecued them, but I guess <laughs> they do. Everything, you know, some plants love heat and sun. Yes. Outstanding. Yeah. Good, good. That's exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> um, question number two. If you were only allowed to grow one plant next season, what plant would you personally just have to grow? A new plant, or could it be a hydrangea? Well, I was going to say it has to be hydrangeas. Yeah, I, the minute the words <laughs> left my mouth, they said, oh, you've already answered that one. Yes, I I love hydrangeas. And um, wherever I live or any time in my life, I have to have hydrangeas in my life. I have to tell you, <laughs> that, that was one of my big ahas today talking to you, is the way you can uh, not control, but you know, uh, the color choices, you can influence and That's a tremendous uh, aspect of gardening, isn't it? It is. And, and um, not all hydrangeas, you know, there's different varieties and cultivars and not all of them can be changed, but the general hydrangea macrophylla, um, the big, you know, the big um, mop head hydrangeas um, can be influenced by your acidity in your soil. So, that's, you know, something to think about. So here, like I said, they're mostly pink here, um, but I prefer the blues um, as we had back, as I had back in Atlanta. So I'm always trying to, and I, and I have, I've even changed on one plant. I've changed, I've had bloom, big mop head blooms where half the bloom is pink and half the bloom purple. Um, as you can see, it was trying to change by me changing the acidity in the soil. You can see that on my blog. Um, the picture of that one. So it's pretty, it's pretty, it's fun. That's a perfect lead into question three is uh, everyone should follow your blog and share it at peaceloveandgardening.com. Uh, question three is do you have one or two favorite gardening websites that you'd like to share? Um, gosh, I do. Um, um, I really, I follow bloggers actually. Mm -hmm. So, um, Tara Dillard, as I mentioned, I believe hers is, um, I want to say it's taradillard.com. And as I mentioned, she is one of the first bloggers I've ever heard of. And she is a garden designer in the South and was a mentor to me back there. We're still in touch occasionally. So taradillard.com, I would say, is um, probably my number one choice. I'll also put a link up to the American Hydrangea Society. Absolutely, please. And if um, you know if anybody's ever in the South, um, definitely um, um, you know go to their website and see. In June, they always have a huge garden tour. Um, that's absolutely amazing. And um, the Penny McHenry Hydrangea 
festival goes on in June as well. So Nice. Uh, question four. Uh, do you have a favorite gardening book that you could recommend? Gosh. Um, okay, I think... Hmm. I really... Um, I like... Well, Michael Durr has a great book on hydrangeas. Again, okay. I mean, I do garden other things. I know I'm talking a lot about hydrangeas. I would say Michael Durr's book, D-I-R-R, um, has a great, wonderful book about hydrangeas that I've kind of used as my Bible and getting to know hydrangeas, how to grow them, and, and the different varieties. So um, that is one of my um, recommendations. And then the Good Old Garden um, book by Pat Walsh, and she um, wrote Southern California Organic Gardening um, book. Um, you know, it's it's um, it's kind of the garden bible here if you live in Southern California. So I I refer to that one. There's a month by month, um, you know, gardening and that very very detailed. And she has a lot of experience. You know, Alex, we have listeners in like 62 countries, which is crazy. Oh. <laughs> Just spreading now. A lot of them live in cities with little balcony and patio gardens. Mm-hmm. If somebody wanted to uh, grow their first hydrangea next season, can you just give them a little wisdom, like a tip on, on some things to consider? Well, and that's the great thing about hydrangeas is they grow wonderfully in pots. Um, and, you know, if you give them enough good, rich soil, you can definitely grow them in pots. So it's not a plant that needs to be in the ground. Um and so I would say, you know, gosh, you can pick up a hydrangea anywhere and, you know, they're, um, you know, in any nursery, of course, but honestly, at Trader Joe's or even sometimes a supermarket, you might not know the variety or cultivar that you're buying, but they're, you know, they have them in bloom all the time, available to sell. You can find out, you know, if you buy it that way, you know what color you're getting and start it in a pot. And if you give it enough, like I said, enough good, um, uh, loamy soil and, you know, keep the water, uh, soil well-drained and moist, they'll do wonderfully in pots. Um, good companion plants with hydrangeas or, or clematis or um, or azaleas, anything else acidic as well. So really easy. I encourage anyone to try it. Oh, excellent tips. Uh, question five is a fun one. Uh, is there anything you've never grown before that you would love to experiment with in the garden? Um, let's see. I would love to do an espalier of some kind of fruit, whether it's apples or whatever. And I do have the wall for it. I just haven't, um, (laughs) I haven't ventured out and tried it yet, but an espalier of, um, one of, um, of some kind of fruit or berry even, I'd love to, um, uh, love, love to experiment with that, with that. If you're into exotic berries, I just grew one uh, last season for the first time called a Haskap. It's uh, H-A-S-K-A-P. And uh, it's from a bog, like a swamp in Russia, in in Siberia. And it was called the Swamp Honeysuckle, and nobody would buy it when it was called the Swamp Honeysuckle. (laughs) So they changed the name to Haskap, and it's shaped like... Uh, if you squeezed off the tip of your pinky finger, like it's a long oval shaped purple red fruit. Mm. And it's so unique. There's an orchard in Canada where they're making wine from it. Oh, what does it taste like? 
it tastes like uh, a distant cousin of the blueberry. And so that's kind of my... That sounds wonderful. Yeah, that's one of those things. My wife went to the local garden center and came home with an armful of, uh, hey, what's that? You know, and she just mm-hmm. picked... Yeah, so you never know. You can find some treasures if you look around. Absolutely. Well, the, our time is flying by. I want to encourage the listeners to connect with you on Twitter at Peace Love Garden. That's P-E-A-C-E-L-U-V-G-A-R-D-E-N. And if you have hydrangea questions or if you want to join the newly formed Southern California Hydrangea Society when it starts, reach out to Alex on Twitter and definitely share her blog and social media. That's peaceloveandgardening.com. How have you enjoyed blogging? What's that been like for you? You know what? That has been amazing. Um, I made that choice. I, you know, I, I work full time. I have a two year old and, you know, we're busy with life. And so I was, I, I need, I felt like I needed another outlet for, uh, you know, to kind of express myself in gardening. Cause I feel like gardening, it's an art and it's a form of expression for me. And, um, so, you know, my time's limited in the garden, but I felt like I needed another outlet as well. And I just decided to do it, um, just about a year ago. And, um, and I love it. My mom's a writer and a gardener as well. And so I started writing and just um, coming up with some ideas. And I got to tell you, I am addicted to it. If I have to get up at 5, 5.30 in the morning before my son and my family's up to do what I do when it's dark or stay up late at night or any chance I get. And it's opened up this whole new world for me. And meeting people like you, Dave, and just connecting, it's crazy how you can connect with people around the world about what you're doing through your social media. And um, and I'm definitely a people person. And just connecting with people is so great. And I just feel like it's kind of given me a voice about gardening. And um, and like I said, kind of hopefully I'm inspiring people to garden. And that's my goal. That's one of my goals for Peace, Love, and Gardening is just to inspire people. So I'm, I'm just absolutely in love with it. You're a brilliant writer, Alex. And who knows? The, the elves over at Timber Press, they listen to this <laughs> podcast. So who knows? You may get a book deal, a hydrangea book deal. <laughs> Thank you. That, you never know. That's the thing is you're creating art. That's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, Alex, we're nearly out of time. You've been an excellent guest. I want to invite you to have the last word to the listeners today. Can you reach out to them through cyberspace and leave them either with a, a note of encouragement or a pearl of wisdom? You know what? Yeah, I, I will say that I think one of the best things gardening has done for me is life lessons. And I, I write about this on my blog a lot is just life lessons gardening can teach you. And, and it, gardening is a lot of work, but it gives back to you in so many ways. And you know, it gives back, you know, beauty in your home or, you know, food on your table and, you know, just um, peace and happiness it can give you. It fills my heart. And so I just think um, you know, anybody can do it at any age from little toddlers to, as you know, elderly people. It's, it's a wonderful thing for everyone. And that's why I encourage people, you know, to garden because there's so many benefits from it. And, Life lessons it's taught me is, um, you know, moderation, patience. Number one, it's taught me patience because I'm probably the most impatient person I've ever known. Um, and just, you know, being at peace, meditation, therapy, all these things, it's, it's, um, it's just, 
it's life in itself, and and I can't encourage people more uh, enough to um, to get out there and try it. And anybody, I believe anybody can do it, and I believe everybody can have a green thumb. Sensational, Alex. You've been a brilliant guest. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> 